What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Sorry for a little bit of delay there. Things are getting crazy here in the uh, the Panthers the Panthers Nation team. We're gonna talk real quick before we start. Uh, shout out, he's not on the podcast tonight because of these reasons. But shout out to Jeff for getting another job in the broadcast industry, working for a station up in Charlotte. So that's that's pretty cool for him. And Tyler just finishing. God, what year is this for you, Tyler? Is year two, sophomore year, year two. Complete. <sighs> Don't lie to you. Wow. <laughs> what I would not give to be back at that point right now. I gotta no. I gotta tell you. <clears throat> Shantis and I were pretty humbled last week when the guest we had on uh he talked about when he was a fan and you know what led up to him being a fan, and he talked about it being a fan in 2011 when Cam came on the scene and he was nine years old in 2011 and that <laughs> that hurt a little bit to hear not gonna lie I, i'm not gonna ask tyler what the age would have been at that time for him okay so it's still not better not great at all but at least a little bit at least in the double digits so that's yeah, at least yeah. some somewhat redeeming but guys starting off shanties i know you probably have some words for the, the newest the latest uh roster move as the first draft pick in the rule era has been cut from the roster, and I'm sure that you know hits a little bit close to home for you as well, Shantis. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, unfortunately he had a chance to be a guy that could, you know, et- you know, etch out his own role last year, but unfortunately due to injury, he wasn't able to do that. So with that being the case, it's one of those, one of those things where, yeah, it's part, it's the nature of the game. Guys come and go. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of expecting it. Not gonna lie, you know, when you have the inconsistencies in your health and i mean he what had about eight games there i think that he had started there at a time when we were trying to figure out what all we were doing if i'm not mistaken i know he started there for at least a little bit and showed yeah definitely towards the end of the season is rookie year yeah and he and i mean of course that at that point in time you know once we got midway through that season things were kind of just a crap shoot around there you know we knew we we knew we had inconsistencies in the defensive back room the defense was kind of weird in terms of how we interpreted their performance that season you know they had really good flashes but then of course dropped a lot of those games and he had a couple i remember you know the problem the real problem with being a cornerback especially is you it is very hard for your for your good performances to be put on the spotlight. You know, a lot of the times, like we always said with James Bradbury, you know, he was doing good. He was doing a good job, but it was never noticed because no one's going to throw his way. So you're not going to know. But when you get called out, when you get shown up as Troy probably did there a handful of times in that tenure, it is very, very noticeable. And you get put, you know, on blast when you do so. And unfortunately he faltered from a couple of those in that season, if I remember correctly, he had a couple missed coverages and not to a point where, you know, it would be an issue in a developing defensive back room, but with, you know, getting Horn first round the next year, that that was pretty telling as to what they were looking to do there in the cornerback room, especially also signing CJ Henderson, who we still don't know, you know, what they're looking for him out of this year. Yeah, like you guys talked about, the cornerback room, just uh, we've had our ups and downs. We've never had that group that we felt great about, even going back to, you know, the years with Josh Norman and then on to James Bradbury, and now we're on to the J.C. Horner. We we haven't had that full unit operating as one to where we felt great about it. And, you know, they've put the assets into where they want to get to the point where we feel good about the corners and we can um, just roll with it. But um, it is unfortunate that we had to thin out at the position a little bit because of all the bodies that we've been adding. You know, I thought Troy Pride, you know, he had the injury, which is very unfortunate in a very competitive um, team depth chart right now. But um, for him to be able to come in and compete and maybe at least work through camp and stuff, it's really tough because, you know, coming in as a fourth round pick, um, you know, the fourth round picks are never guaranteed on the roster, but you hope that you can stretch it out for, um, maybe the whole rookie contract, but, um, you know, looking back at our corner position, like you talked about, Jack, um, you know, we've never had a room that we felt great with from year to year. It's always changed a little bit and it's always been the cloud over our heads as from it, when it comes to needs in the Panthers and for even from the Josh Norman era to the James Bradbury era to now with JC Horn, there's always been that, that feeling that we still need to add to the position. And what I have liked about um, the Scott Fitter era is that he has poured resources into a premium position, uh, which is corner. And, you know, we traded for Gilmore last year, which, you know, is no longer with the team. Uh, traded for C.J. Henderson and drafted J.C. Horn in the first round. Three moves that proves that, hey, 
we're not afraid to go out and get guys at, at a premium position. And no matter how they work out one way or the other, we're going to try to keep getting better. And we added, you know, Keith Taylor, who played a serviceable role on the outside in his rookie year. Um, you know, obviously Horn coming back, Dante Jackson, and, uh, you know, drafting Kalon Barnes. It's just with the injury and how things were shaping up, I think Troy Pride really just got the short end of the stick here. He's a rosterable player um, with health as a healthy player, so he's going to get picked up uh, before the preseason. I don't really have any doubts about that as long as he's healthy. So um, I don't think his career is over in the NFL. I think he can, you know, find a spot and stick at the back end of a roster because we remember coming out. Troy Pride was a serviceable serviceable player, and we were happy to take him in the fourth round. That wasn't a reach or anything by any means. So. Um, you know, kind of shocked to see him to see him go, but I think the injury had a lot to do with it. I I, I could agree with that. I mean, yeah, we talked about going from Greer to University of Notre Dame. Like that's you know he he was there in the in the spotlight and in what he wanted to do and had a career there as well. And it sucks to see because you you want especially the hometown guys. That was the biggest thing that has been we've seen in this rural era has been putting and crazily enough because the 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 you know Tepper I mean the um. Rivera and Fox there, they put emphasis on South Carolina and North Carolina players. That was not, you know, it was not as super, as common, at least in the span that they have done it in rule and Tepper's tenure, but they made it a point to go and focus on some of those guys. And I think, you know, it shows the mindset they have at the cornerback room, like you're talking about in this new kind of phase. I mean, Keith Taylor, even, you know, Shanti's and I saw on Twitter, I don't know if you saw it too, Tyler, he'd been getting some, you know, attention and some heat from some of his routes and some or some of his coverage. And, you know, the incredibly, you know, ba- like hitting the basics, hitting, you know, what you need to do as a cornerback and reaching that, you know, that long arm in and, and things of that nature. You know, he was getting, you know, he was getting some, some, some attention for that. So I think they have, you know, a good amount of hope and investment in, in that pick as well. And same with CJ Henderson, because I got to imagine when Fitter was with, was with Seattle, you know, when watching from the wings, he had a grade for CJ himself and obviously spent the third round pick on CJ and still believes that that is what he can be and what he can be utilized as. I'm imagining, you know, everyone else had him as high as they did. He might've had him as a second or third round grade, you know, if he was waiting for, especially in Seattle, when they were looking for defensive backs, they were, I'm sure CJ was on his radar and his purview and as why you saw the, the, the pickup made. And I think, you know, obviously that was the problem with last year is that people were looking for immediate solutions. JC goes down, boom, CJ Henderson's in Stefan Gilmore's here. We need someone to pick up the slack now. Like we lost our number one guy, CJ, like CJ. Oh, cool. We got another first rounder basically like, you know, he's got to pick up the slack from JC and that wasn't going to be the case because they had completely different upbringings, completely different mindsets in their career. And the way that they all both had their time frame coming into this league was completely different. So I think I'm on the train of needing to give CJ you know, give him his time. You know, he's, he was drafted fairly high because of the ceiling that he possesses, but especially at the cornerback position, you can have incredibly high ceilings and incredibly low floors, both at the same time, dependent upon who is in your cornerback room. And especially with Steve's Steve Wilkes in that room, I think they've got a good set of guys to come in. Now, what interests me is clearly this has been something we've been talking that has been talking about. And I would want to know the two of y'all's takes James Bradbury, Recently, you know, they decided not to resign that contract. He is a free agent. And I feel like I especially was a bit hypercritical of Bradbury because he was trying to follow Josh Norman. And Josh Norman was such a prolific cornerback in the time frame he was with Carolina. I feel like I never really gave him the credit he deserved. I would be interested in a, in a reunion. And I don't know how much of a negative impact it would have, especially with a bit older of a guy. And, you know, he was there, if I'm not mistaken. In you know, right before Dante's rookie year, I believe is when we had him. I can't remember if we had him Dante's rookie year or not, but I would like to see. I I, I think it might have a positive impact if we had the money for him. Yeah, you know, right now with Bradbury, the the perception on Bradbury throughout his career has kind of been funny because with the Panthers, we you know at first didn't really play early on in his career, he earned a starting role got better and better and better to the point where he was solid. And then we're like, all right, he's really underrated and one of the best corners um, in the league. And we can trust this guy on a week to week basis to lock down the number one guy. Um, But he does have his limitations. And then he hits the free agent market. Um, Rightfully so we shouldn't have um, coughed up that money and he gets paid um, 
a ton uh, that year in free agency and, um, you know, got to the point where the Giants felt that it'd be best to move on from him. Right now, like you're talking about, you know, giving C.J. Henderson a fair shot um, to come in with a full offseason, getting into the team. Um, you know, he was the ninth overall pick in the draft. There's something there with him. There's talent, you know, big-time recruit, um, goes to Florida, plays early. You know, there's talent there. Now, he's not going to ever turn into that ninth overall type player at this point. But if you can get 80 90% of that and potentially get a guy that you feel comfortable signing on a second contract, that would be that would be huge for the development there. Obviously, we know JC's got to play. Um, he's the eighth overall pick, and then uh, we're paying Dante Jackson. So right now, I'm afraid there's not room for for Bradbury to come in and start right away. However, the best case scenario for us is that we we see him out there wait, and whenever there's an injury, he's able to come. But uh, with that being said, he's not going to be out there for too long. A reunion would be awesome. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he feels about that because he's, he would never played um, in the rural era. So it's a, it's a whole different look here from, from when he left. But, um, you know, he, he's still quality corner, still starting caliber corner on the outside. So seeing where, where he goes and his next move is going to be something to keep an eye on. Again, he's not a guy that's going to make, make a significant splash as far as numbers go, as far as the interception. He was never that guy in Carolina. And like, and like Tyler said, with how our, our room is set up right now, you gotta let these young guys spin at it first. I think a guy like Keith Taylor, who I've been who I was really high on once we drafted him and during the season, I think he's a guy that's gonna be your out your your staple outside corner opposite of JC Horn. Dante Jackson obviously needs to move into the slot, but they just have not. I don't know whether I don't know what the commitment is to not wanting to move Jackson into the slot. They haven't seemed to be fully set on doing that. I mean, he, he's athletic enough to play on the outside and we and we've seen him make his plays on the outside and that's where the majority of his picks come from but to really help this defense take take that next step you're gonna have to find a guy that athletically like Dante Jackson can match up with those smaller receivers and again and, and again I don't I think I think that guy's in that in that room they see Jay Henderson we, like we talked about you know a guy that was drafted as high CJ Henderson has the potential to at least be you know an end of what he was dragging, at least be an end of what his potential was supposed to be. And a guy like Keith Taylor, who has shown early on that he's going to be, that he can be solid. I think you trust those two guys going into the season and let those guys rock out. But right now, you got to spend money on a pass rusher. That's, you, you don't have a pass rusher opposite of Brian Burns. And we don't know which one of the, you know, Barno out of, uh, was it, was out of Virginia Tech that we drafted mm -hmm. before. We don't know how long it'll take for him to develop into a guy that can, that can play every down. Go get a pass rusher. Have a guy opposite of Brian Burns, so you can go into go into the season with two guys that can get after the quarterback. So, do you entertain the clowny talks? Because for me, when I watched him in Tennessee, because I was really excited about that, because I thought it was going to mesh well with that defense. You know, the guys that they had in linebacker and on the edge, and it just kind of fell flat. I don't, and I never knew if it was the system he was running or what. I just so would you entertain the clowny talks? Clowney's weird. He's one of those guys that doesn't – he's never been a consistent pass rusher. Since his time in Houston, playing opposite of of, of J.J. Watt, we, I've never seen him give you consistently 10 sacks a year. He's always hovered around seven or eight, but I would. I mean, I think for the – I don't think the price tag will be, will be too horrible for one year. Just 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 for one year, a one-year rental could, wouldn't be the worst thing. He's definitely one of the best – guys on the market so i mean i, I think you got to at least take a look at it and say well where, where does he fit i mean him being him being a stand-up defensive end for the majority of his career could benefit could benefit us he's a guy that can kick inside at times too if you want to go with a smaller lineup which is all all athleticism i think i incline it, it, it does give you that that that, that sense of versatility that, that that they do seem to like on their defense so i think you got to at least get the tires on it once I could see it, and it, it would fit the mold that Tepper has done fairly well as a businessman of trying to still, you know, in even in all his issues, connect South Carolina in a way. Because since his tenure, we've had those guys almost every time. You had, you know, Glenmore obviously last year, and then drafting both Shy and JC. Then even the year before that, bringing on Mike Davis to do so as well. Like he's he's made it somewhat apparent to do so both years. So I could see it, especially. And you're right, he would fit that kind of vers the versatile mold that they love to have for their S rushers. I think Barno is going to be a sleeper for this year. I, I The more and more I hear about him and the more and more I watch him, if they use him correctly, I feel like he could be kind of what Yatur was going to be 
without side, if not sidelined by the injuries. Because remember, when Yatura was in those first four weeks, it was looking good. Him and Burns going side by side, and even even coming out of injuries, it's obviously been a lot slower. The release, I think, has been a little bit slower, but he still made waves. You know, especially, and I think also another thing to watch for that I think honestly we might have a guy in house that we're okay with if they give Marquise Haynes the minutes. I don't think that that's it's 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 out of out of the realm to say that he could be doing stuff like Mario Addison would do, or even Charles Johnson would do there at the end. Like, I, I see the same semblances in him that I've seen from the past because I thought we let Addison go. I, I thought we let Addison go too early. I, I, to truth be told, because he still made waves in Buffalo, and it's not like they had a very prolific defense in the front seven. I felt like with Addison, it was one of those things where, much like honestly, much like Bradbury, he just doesn't. Stat-wise, he doesn't pop off the charts for you. But we know he, as a consistency player, as a consistency guy, he's a guy that's constantly in the mix. He's constantly applying pressure. But he's just not going He's not gonna have the 15-sack year that makes you just go, wow. You know what I'm saying? But I think that's that's exactly what happened with Addison. But, I mean, I, I love Addison. His consistency level. And, I mean, think about it. He ranks among one of the top Panthers all time in sacks. He does. And you have to be consistent to be able to be able to crack that list. And I think sometimes that's something that like has been kind of cultivated by the way that the front sevens have been trying to go. It seems like you need two guys there on your line. You need two guys there on each side to go after it. You need your, you know, your Bradley Chubb on one side and you need whoever, and you need whoever else on the other side. But for me, you know, your Bosa's on either side, but for me, especially with the Panthers are a big, you know, we're a, a big proponent of this. That's not always the case. Like, the even like the you know the 90s and the cardiac cats those were dogs on both sides but it wasn't necessarily like you know i mean mike rucker i don't think would be labeled as a perennial you know a-lister defensive end necessarily but he did incredibly well with julius peppers at that time because because, and that's what we and we it's what we did in 2015 we had jared allen on the other side of Charles Johnson. And I mean, and that's, and I mean, at his time, he wasn't in his prime. You just need someone to take the focus away. You just need, and that's all you need. So I feel like not getting someone that money might be, it might not be the worst idea. You know, fast rushing can come from a very different facets. You know, like you, you talk about that 2015 team, that was a team that we used the blitz a lot in order, in order to get to the quarterback. We weren't, we were our base, our base pass rush was solid, but we were able to create a lot of different sacks with our, with our blitz schemes and using guys like Thomas Davis, you know what I'm saying? Using guys like Shaq Thompson, those athletic guys out there outside linebacker would help, help create a lot of, help, help create a lot of problems for opponents. And we have those type of athletic freaks now with guys like a Brandon Smith, you know, and, uh, young pass rushers like Barno. I think we have the athleticism now to be able to, to do just that and maybe not rely solely on a great pass rusher. I agree. And one more thing, and I'll let Tyler come into it as well. I, I agree with it because I think that is that is a mold that has worked for the Panthers in the past. Not saying you need – like, it's not a bad thing, clearly, to have multiple pass rushers coming out of the front four. But we're forgetting, I mean, you know, Derek Brown can make waves in the front. And this Ian Otis guy, I've been looking at his tape too. That's going to be someone that I think fl- will flow very well together with Derek. I mean, I think – I've seen people say that's about the best defensive tackle he's played with you know, in his time, in his short career already. But I think the thing that people forget about for the Panthers is a mold that worked very well. It worked back with the cardiac cats era with the guys we had at line at linebacker and the guys we had in the, you know, in the back in the in defensive back room. And in same in 2015, when we've been successful, those blitz packages do not need to come from the front seven all the time or the front four. I think with guys like you talk about Brandon Smith can fire along in and it speaks to what you're talking about with Dante. I don't think it's a bad idea to move him out to slot because we've seen a lot of the times with his issues being out wide is when the safety behind him is not incredibly dependable. When we're running a Sam Franklin and a Sean Chandler, if one of them misses their mark and and Dante thinks he can let the guy go behind him, that creates that middle of the field opening that has plagued Dante in the past. Those posts have been killer for Dante in some some of those games when we saw it this year. So put Dante in the slot. If I want a cornerback to go rush from our current lineup, if it's not JC, I want it to be Dante. Dante can fly, and he's one of the hardest hitters we've had on this team in a good while. Same with Jeremy Chin. If you run him in a certain way, now that we have Woods and Burris, run him in blitz packages more. That frees up Burns and Haynes and Derek Brown inside the front four to then you do what, and that's what Phil Snow had done so well when he's able to do it, is he was sending blitz from everywhere. You don't know where it's going to come from. You, you guard one guy, the next guy is going to be open. And I think that's something you need to try to get back to this year. And I hope Steve Wilkes will be helpful to do that in the back, you know, in the defensive back room, because he was always incredibly aggressive with his packages. 
So I would agree, like you're saying, I would, Shantice, if I, if, if I had my, you know, two cents, I would put JC, I would put JC there out wide and give the time, you know, keep Dante out wide too for a little while and switch Dante and CJ both in and out at slot and wide and feel it out and bring Keith in for a nickel cornerback when we need him bring Keith in for nickel coverages, because I think he adds that when we, when we need that, I think he adds a lot there, you know, still in his development. I think CJ should get a bit more of a, of an emphasis this year because you, it, it's going to be needed to know whether or not, you know, Tyler, like you talked about to sign for a couple years. And I just, I'm now Tom, I'm interested to see what your take on, you know, the defensive situation is right now, because in a lot of ways, as it mostly, as it most of the time normally is, it's more interesting to me than the offensive side of the ball for the Panthers. No, it definitely is. It's also a little bit more exciting. Like you were talking about the D line of past days where we had, you know, Mario Addison, Charles Johnson, um, and those defensive lines were deep with Wes Horton, even as a guy that was coming off and we liked him. Kyle Love, like, role. yeah, yeah. I mean, he had, uh, what, like five sacks in 2017. He had a he, yeah. he had a role uh, a career a uh, couple game seasons in a row there where he was productive sack um you know guy that we could get get after the quarterback on third down. So I think getting back to that, you know, we've had a lot of our needs lately, especially on the offensive line, which we've done a good job job spending resources on. But our next step is where where I want to see us getting back to putting resources in the D line and building that side of the trenches because you know right now. Our starting force is very serviceable with Burns, Derek Brown, Ioannidis, and Yator. But after that, it starts to thin out a little bit. You got Marquise Haynes, who um, is only going to be a third down rusher. Now he's going to be good at it, um, but he's only 235 pounds. So he's not going to hold up against the run on early downs. Barno, long way to go. It's going to be hard to count on him for much, but we might have to because he he's probably going to make the roster, probably going to be in the two deep early on in his career as, as along with playing special teams. You know, on the interior, I do like uh, what we have, obviously, with Ioannidis and Brown. That's a, a really good starting duo in the interior. Even though Ioannidis isn't what he once was, he's still going to be a solid contributor, uh, former former Temple Owl. And then you also got Davion Nixon, uh, Bravion Roy, who I've liked a lot as just a big, you know, stop gap kind of guy in the middle. And then, you know, Phil Hoskins, I don't know if you guys remember or seventh round pick from last year he has, has stuck through the practice squad made the roster still with us and he's a big body in there too so it kind of gives you something similar to what you have in bravey on roy so the, the interior depth is really nice um it's been interesting to see how they transitioned from you know last year having guys like morgan fox who is a bit of a tweener between an interior and an edge and um and he he really allowed us to play those odd fronts where he played in a four eye four tech um you know a lot of times but now we're really built for that even front defense um, uh, across the line there with, you know, guys that are pretty much projectile into one position. Um, there's not much change in it around, but, you know, adding, you know, somebody on the edge in the, in the preseason is definitely something to look forward to, you know, and I can't blame them, you know, in the draft and not addressing it with, with our needs and uh, what we addressed early on, but, you know, that's going to be something to look forward to. Something to look forward to is Yator taking that next step, you know, second round pick, uh, you know, the second pick of the rule era. You know, we need him to turn into something. He would. He was a premium pick. We need him to be able to be trusted as a starter because we shouldn't have these worries right now, but we, but it's it's fair that we do. And then um, building off that with the, with, the, with the back seven and the nickel position, you know, I think J.C. Horn, I've always thought J.C. Horn has a profile to be a great nickel because of his coverability, his size, his length, something that teams are focusing on a lot more now is that length on the inside because um, now teams like you see what the Titans did with A.J. Brown, um, what they're going to do with Traylon Burks, uh, what the yeah. Steelers are about to do with Chase Claypool, putting these big slots in the game. So now they're going to you know, carve out dudes in the run game, carve out um, you know, smaller defensive backs like a Dante Jackson that, you know, Dante's a great hitter, but he's going to struggle to get off blocks versus a guy like an A.J. Brown or Traylon Burks. So getting a J.C. Horn in there who's bigger, more physical um, has always been something that is really um, has really caught my eye. Now, the thing with that is you spent the eighth overall pick on a nickel. It's probably not 
uh, what you want to do and you want to give him a shot to play on the outside as much as possible. But I think changing it up and getting him in there, potentially if we're playing a team where their best receivers in the spot in the slot and he's not a little Hunter Renfro guy, he's a bigger guy that JC matches up well against. I said, sure, why not? Why don't we put, um, you know, keep three corners out there, put JC in the slot and, and ride from there. And I think Dante would be a great fit there too, especially against, you know, some of the smoother and more, more uh, loose guys. And then you talk about with the, with the safeties, uh, you know, I, we can play with Justin Burst. He's not a exciting player to roll out there on the field every week, but if you put him back there, have Jeremy chin now in the nickel and, and start moving things around that way is uh, something to be excited about with the versatility that we can have on defense. And even though we're not working with a whole ton of depth here, I think Phil snow has a lot of options at his hand uh, with the front seven or with the, yeah, with the front seven and then the uh, secondary in general. And that just speaks, though, back to the original problem that we had had and we had listed as far as the defensive back room goes. And it's something that I still th- and it's why I originally brought up the Bradbury talks, even though it was a problem when he was the number one, is that to this like in talking the way Tyler is speaking in that in, under that guise you still don't really have a true number one. You have guys you can put in any kind of place, but you don't have a guy who's a lock because, you know, and that could change very, very much. So depending upon how Horn comes back from this injury, had he had, you know, a prolific rookie season, I feel like that question wouldn't be as, as daunting, but unfortunately, you know, it got cut incredibly short to the point where, you know, we weren't able to make that, make that, you know, assumption or decision, properly so that's another thing that concerns me and it was why i was so big on keeping gilmore to still have someone to be reliable you know to 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 rely on in those moments when right now you know dante for all he's done and all the development he's made is still a question mark cj still a question mark at this point in time jc still a question mark at this point in time and it's like you have a lot of you have a lot of depth but depth doesn't always equal reliability and it doesn't always equal, you know, answers because even as far as, you know, I mean, Burris, if we're looking at it and we're thinking about it, Burris was, is the oldest and most experienced player in that, in that defensive back room. If I'm not mistaken, as far as how long Woods has been in the league, I'd have to do the, do the math on that. But I mean, that's not him and Woods. Him and Woods is the most experienced guys. And even Dante at this point. I'll say Dante's probably right there behind them at about what this is be his sixth season, fifth or sixth. Then we just I think go, he's going into his fifth, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I think, I think he got drafted 2018. I think he'd be correct in that regard. So that's, you know, a bit, that's a bit daunting. It's a bit concerning. And it just, you know, but the thing we know is that with, especially in the rural era, Every pick is going to get their time to play. Every pick might even get their chance to start. Even Stanley Thomas Olivier, he was able to get some playing time there and actually not in just special teams. So it wouldn't surprise me again to see this class, each one of them get their minutes. And as you look to, you know, draft past or present, you also look to draft past as the news broke out today or this week. And what was just a heart wrenching interview to listen to that at one point in time, the Panthers were in deep conversation with Devontae Adams. And of course, instead, in very Charlotte professional sports team fashion, instead of choosing the, the guy they should have, they chose Kelvin Benjamin, and we saw how that fared out. So I wanted to get y'all's gauge for how upsetting that was to hear. It was it was sickening to hear, but I'm gonna shoot Dave Gettleman some bell, and I'm you know because not many people do this at the time. The Kelvin Benjamin pick wasn't the worst thing at the time. I mean, cause, I mean, look, 2014. He did have a thousand yards. Did he had he had like a thousand yards, eight touchdowns as a rookie? Yeah, he didn't. Nobody, yeah. no, we didn't know about the weight problem necessarily until he tore the ACL, came back, still was out of shape, and on, and even looking even at the, in that 2017 season, up until we traded him, he still was productive. It just wasn't it? Just wasn't great. I mean, but who would have thought Devontae Adams? Because I mean, honestly, for the majority of Adams' time in Green Bay. They still talked about how they never drafted a first round receiver as if he wasn't right there, given our consistent output. But I, I, I could probably give a lot of what Adams was. I give that I give a lot of credit. I say, well, not a lot, but a good bit of credit goes to Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback he is and helping to and helping develop him. But I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm not I'm not the the most upset about it now after I sat with it. I say, Tyler, that would have been probably what 2012, 2013, that draft. Were you doing mocks at that point in time? Oh, yeah, it was 2014. Of course I was. Of course. Oh, I was. <laughs> so what was where were you? What did you have? Do you remember where you had him ranked? Where oh, in relation to Kelvin Benjamin? 
Well, so the thing is, um, the, in their first three seasons, each of them, right, uh, Kelvin only played two of those three, and Devontae played all three. Uh, Kelvin had 400 more yards than Devontae to start their career. So, so I mean, like Shantice was saying, it's hard to it's hard to really <laughs> it's hard to really you know be too mad about it, especially considering what what it was at the time. You know, Benjamin at Florida State was was a lot better than what we know him as and what we will remember him as. But, uh, you know, it, it, I wish we'd rather take Adams. But he did take, take some time to catch on in the league and wasn't that that number one alpha best receiver in the league right away. So I can't fault them too much. There's always misses in the draft. Every other team passed on him too. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's just upsetting to hear because you don't hear about it as much for the Panthers other than like, you know, taking – oh, God, I think it was – it was either Benabe and Wickery or whoever we took over Derek when we could have had the ability to take Derek Henry. I can't remember which one it was. <laughs> or, you know, then you go over to the Hornets where they were taking Michael K. Gilchrist while Giannis was still on the board. And, of course, that's a di- that's a different story there too. Yeah. But it's just always so upsetting to hear that kind of stuff. And it's like, what? Well, I didn't need to hear that. I, I could have gone my whole life as a Panthers fan not not thinking about that combination of Cam Newton and Devontae Adams. But you're right. Who knows what that would have what that would have led to. I just think it was always, I just heard that and I was like, you know, I saw whenever you see Panthers pop up on Twitter on, you know, on the internet, you're like, okay, what do we do now? And then it's like, yeah. oh, we, we didn't even do anything. Cause <laughs> and a lot of those headlines you disregard, you know, the Panthers to getting Sean Payton talk. That was all just, you know, speculate some reporter for some reason, pushing that narrative incredibly hard. I don't know what, what nah. Vin, who was paying him for that, but I'm not upset at that narrative though. I'm not <laughs> I just don't think it was, it'd be something he's not going to come out of retirement no. to go to come to North Carolina. Like he's, it's just, it's, he's going to Dallas. If he comes out of retirement, let's be clear. I no, I could easily see that. Oh, I would. Re- uh, let's, let's have, let's have that not happen. The, the <laughs> Cowboy fans are not, dude, they don't deserve that. They, they don't deserve don't. They don't, but that's where he's going to go. <laughs> I could easily, I could easily see that. And then of course we even saw, I saw one today pop up that Panthers could be desperate enough to talk to Drew Brees after the statements he put out. He's not, he's saying the same stuff Tom Brady was saying the same stuff that everyone else has been saying. That doesn't mean he's not going to do anything. He's well, not, he, wasn't, he wasn't as good as Tom Brady at the end. No, <laughs> so he wasn't. So, like, you know, and he's not going to come to Carolina. Like he no. is not, there's no reason for him to come to Carolina. No, like no. they, the, the like, I don't, I think the thing that people think forget about is that they had front row seats to the debacle. That is the Carolina Panthers. So why, in all of their ability to, to do whatever they want in their life, would they come to, unless they're just that, you know, if, unless they're looking for a challenge that bad, which if you want a challenge, if you want a, you know, a, a real fixer upper, then you can come to Carolina if you'd like to, but I just, I don't think there'd be any reason why they would do that. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't see, I, I can see Sean Payton wanting to do it. I mean, there's a lot of young talent in Carolina, uh, a quarter. I mean, he's got a quarterback that's probably about as, Athletic as, as Drew Brees, Drew Brees was in his early days, so I can I can possibly see we got some weapons on the on the offensive side of the ball that he could work with and defensively as well. But as far as a quarterback, a Drew Sean Payton, with Sean Payton's caliber, not Sean Payton, but Drew Brees' caliber, absolutely not, bro. And not only that, you're washed. Yeah, you're like washed, my guy, like you're not him. No, that's that's not going to help anybody out. If you the, the you know the talks are still going with Cam. Something's going to happen. And it was funny to see the, you know, all the Baker stuff is that like Baker would have, you know, he probably would have, but they just, there was no interest there. And the Panthers had no interest too, because of what the Browns were trying to do. So, but that leads into, you know, the schedule come out. The NFL really wanted it to happen. We see the schedule, the NFL really, really wanted Baker to Carolina. It seems, especially how they set up that home opener, because it's the same thing they did last year with Donald to the jets. They had it, they had it in the chamber ready to go. So we're looking at the schedule as you know, it came out a few nights ago. And by the way, we had one of the, uh, one of the best schedule releases. Not better than the Chargers. The Chargers took the cake. I've never yeah. seen any. I've never seen any any sort of product in any sort of major sports like team that <laughs> even rivaled what the Chargers did in both creativity and just sheer pettiness from oh, the Chargers yeah. social team. But with a lot of different things happening, the potential tease for maybe some of the '90s. Graffiti throwbacks coming up this year. I would love they, to see that. We, you know, we talked about the, the Taylor Moten, the starter jacket that he had on, on uh, during the photo shoot. Bro, if they don't drop the merch on that, I, man, drop I, the I link. Need that. I need that. The bucket hat. You see, you see, you seen the blue jean bucket, Panthers bucket hat that they had. Yeah, I, a denim bucket hat in its own right is enough for me to lose my mind, but a Panthers denim bucket hat, like 
with the with the graffiti script, there, there's nothing no. that rivals that. There's nothing. Yeah, they, they got they got to drop the merch on that. I, I that, that's that's all I took from this from the schedule release. I looked at all of the '90s merch. And I was like, you know what? Why are we not selling this? We, we, I need something to be excited about, bro. That's that's what you. If you want to keep me intrigued, give me that merch. If you want the Charlatans, all the vintage drops that they have throughout the city, if you want to keep them invested, you drop that stuff right now because that needs to be mass produced and sell and sold to the public. And people don't even know what games are. Sh- Shantis, who's our week two? Do you even know? Oh, you know, I absolutely do not. I'm messing <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he, was at, he was looking for the link. He was looking for the link especially. I literally, I, I literally quit caring about the schedule because it, it, it wasn't intriguing. Okay, the, the concept was great. It wasn't intriguing enough for me to care outside of the sweatshirts. I kept seeing, especially after last year's, because last year's was really cool with the way that they did it. I forgot what we did last year. They had the they had the board room, and they were like shopping different ideas of how they could each do it for each one. And I think they that had. Was cool. I can't remember if they did that. Was the if they did the video game one? Whatever they did the video game one one year. They've had they've been going off in their in their social media. Like the Panthers' social media department is. One of the more consistent groups. Oh, yeah. They are. And it's always sad to waste that much creativity and talent on the product that they have to, you know, make look, they have to make it look shiny. We got to keep fans intrigued somehow, man. And they they do it through this. So, so looking at it, we've got starting off with the Browns home opener again. We've had, I think this is almost, this would have been about the, I can't remember because we had the cow, we had the Cowboys home opener. We had the, and then Jets last year. I think we had a home opener the year before that. We've had a, Fairly Open consistent, right? We've had a fairly consistent home opener, uh, uh, you know, starting the season off at home, and it's you know gone. Fa- it's always it always gives that sense that false sense of pride and security when we <laughs> when we take whatever cupcake team we take on in that in that week one with no one has any time to develop. We don't have time to develop, but at least you know. But for the, against the Browns, you know, with Deshaun, not I mean, he'll have. I don't know what his off season schedule is going to look like, but for me. He shouldn't have, you know, the swing of things that quickly. So, I, Baker did us dirty before. Baker, they did us dirty before, but I could see this. I could be, see this one being a win. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, bro. With that, with, with the offense that they possess over there, man. With you know, Amari Cooper, Chubb is still in the backfield. Is Kareem Hunt still there? Or still on that roster? I think so. Yeah, he's still on the roster somehow. Yeah, I, I don't. Nah, nah. <laughs> We got we got we got a bunch of defensive we, we got a defensive line group that's, that's still a little light in the butt man we ain't we ain't got enough for that right there bro I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna hold you not for that group not at that time I could see it being a loss I, I easily could I feel like there's just a lot up in the air on both for both teams yeah I'll go loss here just they're they're just more well rounded more well built more depth all around um, depending who's out on quarterback I mean it could change things a little bit but if it's even if it's Baker I think. You know, even Baker Brissett, I, I think I'm going to chalk it up as a loss. I I just I don't know. I saw something. I see that, and I, I I get some sort of you know at least I I have some sort of positive outlook for that one. I could see now. Either way, either way, I could see us losing this Giants game. We did it. We did it before. I could easily see us doing it again. If it's if we win for week one, I could see it easily being all right. We did all this and coming right back down to earth. If we lose week one, I could see us just continuing the crap storm. And lose to them off the bat as well. You better win. You better. You better win two of these first four, but they don't get easier. No, it does not. <laughs> you you after week six, you could go and not win a game until week sixteen. Yeah, if, if we're being completely honest, this schedule does not look favorable. <laughs> and and it was surprising because as far as you know the the you know difficulty of the schedule it didn't it was a little bit above middle of the pack if I'm not mistaken it was probably yeah. in like the 15 range or something like that but Giants I'd like to hear it, 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 I mean I I don't know what to think about the Giants I have no I have no idea and they're another one where it's like I don't even know what to expect from you or to look what to look for and, and taking you on and I could see it being a pretty you know. I could see a split in these two weeks. It depends on who, you know, honestly, all this depends on who the, on who the quarterback is. If you tell me I'm I'm going to New York with Sam Darnold, then, then yeah, give me the Giants. We've already, we've already seen how that movie plays out. Yeah, yeah, give me the Giants. But a part of me wants to give us – I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll take us in a win in that one. I don't know how, but I'll take us in a win. I'm going to go with win as well. Um, it's not going to be pretty. 
we're going to get some Thibodeau on Aquanu action, uh, which will be which will be fun to watch. And then we'll see how Evan Neal pans out on the other side of things. Where um, on offense, I'm I feel comfortable with our ability to stop the passing game. You know, Daniel Jones is going to be limited, of course. And then the receiving duo that they've got there is still coming into their own. It doesn't have a defined role in how they want to use everything. Um, big game for Ben McAdoo. Uh, just just throwing that out there as well. Uh, revenge game so uh yeah we'll, we'll see how things play out i feel i feel like it will get out of there with like a a nice little 13 to, to 6 win see this this, this 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 first month could go well it could go one of two ways we could i could see it going two and two and having no idea what the you know what the position our team is in uh, straight off the bat i could see it going one and three i could see it going zero and four if we're being completely honest oh I could yeah, eat, absolutely I, and and I and and part of me kind of wants it to go zero and four. I, I I hate saying that because because think about it. It either then, and obviously different scenarios, different teams, different you know existences and different coaches. Mm-hmm. But it's it would be incredibly reminiscent of the situation that was presented to Ron Rivera in his what was that third year, fourth year? I can't remember which season that would have been. That, I, I, it would have been. I thought that third year we started off like one and three. It, that third year, he started one and three after going, you know, a mixed bag the first two seasons and was on the hot seat right then and there. Of course, Rivera is a much different person, much different coast, much more, much different legacy. But of course, right after that, won the next eight straight, I believe it was, yeah. to to throw us into the wild card that year. So I could I could see a a an a, a, a I could see a a universe out there in this multiverse of madness that the Panthers organization could be. I could see an, ex- an existence out there where that sparks something in Matt Rule and this coaching staff and this team to go one and three or to go zero and zero th- and four and already have three losses in the conference and one in the division and spark and spark something because and, and to where that next because that next string is and make it basically playoffs right then and there and you know you never want to be in the playoffs by week five but that's the position you could find yourself in for this season if you go. If you don't split that for those first four and yeah. have it le- and go at least 500, you are basically in playoff mode right then and there because then you have ho- hosting the 49ers, then going across the country to, to LA, then coming back across the country to, to take Tampa Bay, then ho- hosting Atlanta, hosting the Super Bowl contender Bengals in Cincinnati, mind you. Yep. And at, by week nine, you don't know where they're going to be. They could be in a Super Bowl slump. They could be in you know right back where they were start where they were kicking you have the falcons twice in three weeks so very quickly after you have three division games in four weeks and very quickly could be sitting at the bottom of the division it, then you're it, at the rate yeah you know the funny thing about all this look at the schedule on espn you know we're only picked to win one game well the, the spread only pieces to beat the lions that i was what i was going to say yeah. That that because then you have the Ravens and the Ravens are such a damn enigma. You don't know where they're going to be at week eleven. They could be Super Bowl contenders week eleven. They could be in their losing streak week eleven, or you know right back on the. You don't know where they're going to be sitting week eleven. Broncos that'll have Russell have had twelve weeks to get things together in 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 Denver. And I know there was issue, something was going down with Jerry Judy. I don't remember if there was anything that came off of that. I know he had some legal troubles, but. I never seen anything past that. Yeah, I, I think that that'll that'll be probably a, that'll be a storyline throughout the all season. Oh yeah, and then then you have Seattle and you have Pittsburgh, and then Pittsburgh by week fifteen, by week fifteen, you're that is very reminiscent of taking on Mac Jones and the Patriots. You could be very very, you could see you know your alternate reality if Pickett is has the starting position by week fifteen, and you, we can see how he's doing then. Your then your br- final breath of air is the Lions week 17, and then you have two divisional games against the Bucks and the Saints to round out your season. The one thing I will say is that because some of the quarterback play in division will be questionable with New Orleans still with the who, who New Orleans ended up taking did, did they end up taking a quarterback? They ended up taking um did they get Ritter? Who got Ritter? The Falcons. The Falcons, Falcons that's right. They might have not have taken a quarterback, to be completely honest. Okay, so it's, okay, so that okay, so they're going into a season with uh, Jameis Winston. I like my chances. Desmond Ritter, like my chances. That don't, I'm not scared of any of those weapons over. I mean, besides Kyle Pitts, Drake London doesn't doesn't scare me. 
necessarily. I like our matchups and I like I like our matches in the back end with, with with our with our big with our best corner being JC Horn. I think you know I, I like I like our matchups. I mean, God, I mean you know Pittsburgh going rolling out with Kenny Pickett. I like my chances. Detroit rolling out with Jared Goff again. I like my chances. I mean, it, it's there are some games that you can steal. I just don't I don't see a playoff berth for this team though. Still, even with the team that I have questionable quarterback quarterback play under, so I mean, it's a, it's gonna be a tough. You got to, you got you got to steal that 49ers game. Honestly, that's your that's your most that's one of your your most winnable tough games that you got. Young quarterback, they don't necessarily know what we don't necessarily know what's going on with Debo, whether he'll be dealt or whether you know or whether he'll you know what's gonna go what's gonna happen with that. Uh, maybe it's Jimmy Garoppolo out there for them. Then maybe that's a different story as well. I, we, who knows? I, I see the Broncos as as a game that we could potentially get you know sneak a win off of. You know, there's always a couple games in the year where it could go one of two ways, and you know I don't think they're they're not what everybody's talking them up to be. I see I see them as the fourth best team in that division by far. Really? Wow! No doubt about it. Uh, I think you know coming in there they have a lot of pieces to put together. Russ is. Russ is Russ. There's no doubt about that. But um, to fully come together and be, um, you know, play that AFC schedule and, and play six games in that division and then the rest of the AFC and then come. And so they're going to be a team that's, I'm going to guess, is pretty beat up, going to have to fight for every single game. And if we catch them on the right week after a tough schedule, of you know, fighting through that division and the rest of the AFC, which is loaded, as we know. You know, I think that can be a game that we that we sneak off there. So if I had to pick one game that we would be be the underdog in that we could potentially win, that's the game I'd go with. I'll I'll I've spent many a Sunday over the years watching <laughs> this team and seeing the patterns and seeing the writing on the wall certain games we always talk about it every game we know by the first two drives how that game's gonna go you can you you can see it pretty clearly and even seasonally by the first quarter of the season you got a pretty good indication especially for the panthers in the last five six years of how that game how the season's gonna go and i talked about you know the going one and three going oh and four and rule being on the hot seat and then either losing his job i could see rule being out by week six here if, if things really take a dark turn, I could see Rule being out by week six. And then you could either have – then you have two very different paths, and either McAdoo taking over the – taking the reins and the season being a wash, or maybe Steve Wilkes taking the reins re- and getting the head coaching gig he deserved with the organization. Right. You know, And I could see it going that direction too. Now, there's a lot of different ways that this, this could go. But here's what the most likely scenario is. And you can't see me, but I got my leg up on my knee here sitting like I'm a <laughs> – and like I'm a lawyer talking to someone on their on death row. Here's exactly what's going to happen. Now, let me let me put it out right here. I think week one. I, I'm I just with the way that we now we played some cupcake games week one at home, but we have from the most part the issues have not been shown yet. Dependent upon like you know the writing of because even week one Sam Darnold as far as you know as bad as the defense played, Sam didn't look too terrible week one. We were not super, you know, we weren't super stressed week one. We were stressed about the team as a whole, but not week one. And Teddy and and Robbie Anderson against the Raiders week one, we were sitting pretty. We were. And then I think it was the Rams. That's what it was a couple years back. And even that game, we were holding our own with the Rams who had just in that point, if I'm not mistaken, either they went to the Super Bowl that year or they had just come off a Super Bowl loss, if I remember correctly. I could see us taking that game. I could see us taking the Browns game just so much up in the air. I could see us taking the Giants game. I'll even throw you this one. I could see us taking the Saints game. Another, because it's very reminiscent of last season. It's the exact same time we played the Saints, the exact same location we played the Saints to start, and they're going to be about the same team. They're, I mean, they they changed very little throughout the the off season. I could even see us taking the Cardinals game. We seem to have their number written for whatever reason. It's going to be different if Hop is healthy, completely healthy for that game. That's going to be a big test. Oh no, he he won't be playing. Suspended. That's right. So you have no hop. So, I, so even you know with Murray because we beat we beat the Cardinals with Murray the year before that. Yeah, we beat them, and that was without hop, and that was with the guys. That, so I could see that too. Here's where things going to take a turn for the worst. the The Forty ers game, <laughs> either the, now now it's going to go one of two ways. The Forty ers game is either going to be completely neck and neck, and we're going to drop it 
either going to drop it at the very end or like we're going to blow a lead or we're going to drop it or we're not going to be able to try to catch up or we're going to get blown out of the water that game like we did back in 20, 2017, I believe it was. <laughs> if we win that game, if we, I could see us, if, if we win, we could be five and one, four and two going into week six. We could, as, if we have a winning record in week six, week six is where our season goes down the crapper. Because then you have to go out to the defending Super Bowl champions. Yep. And I see that very reminiscent of Steelers in 2017, 49ers in 2018. I'm trying to think of what's you know, where you that the 56 to seven, the 49 to you know, 49 yeah, to eight game where we just get obliterated. Yeah. And 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 then and then all hope is lost in that because then you got to go and take on the Bucks. And then the Falcons, then the Bengals, and the Falcons, and the Ravens, and I could I could see our season going to shit right then and there. But what? I can also see, I can also see a split in the, the division this year. I I could see us going 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 four four and four for the division this year. We we could we could for, we could most definitely finish second in the division. But I guess the biggest question is who do we think is going to be the quarterback for these games? Like I mean. I mean, honestly, we, we know realistically we're not giving us a chance in many of these games of Sam Darnold's quarterback. I think mm-hmm. we all we, we and, and, and even if and, I, and we I like Matt Corral. I mean, I, I'm I'm hopeful for Matt Corral, but even even if he's starting quarterback, we're not winning many of these games either. We're probably if Matt Corral's starting quarterback for the entire year, we're winning about four games. I just, see. I think for this, like, I just like. And this is going to sound weird, but and I'll let Tyler go after this. I do not see, for the one of the first times, in the time frame they are in their careers, all three of them, and the ability of play that they have, and the experience they have in the league, and how much they all vary. When you have your, you know, your your legend, your runner up, and your rookie, I don't see a unless Matt Corral has an, a, 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 just a ridiculous season, a Joey Burrow-esque, you know, out, out of the park season, I do, I do not see, unless that's the possibility, or unless Cam comes back with a, you know, a, a new outlook and a new body and a new, and, and, and a full off season, which he already is losing out on as, as, as every day that goes by, he is losing more of the off season to get familiar. I don't see that different of a, of an output. Of an out, I don't see that different of an outcome depending upon what three you have back there. Obviously, Sam Darnold is not what we need, but let's be honest, y'all. Cam was turning over the ball, if not, you know, it wasn't as much, but it was damn near close to it, and not necessarily of his own of his own problem or of his own cause, but in but the yeah, it was it was it pretty neck and neck. It was pretty it neck and neck, and it wasn't like that there was that much. I mean, positive outcomes to go along with it, and with Corral. Unless he can come up and just and just light the world on fire, I see him making a lot of rookie mistakes. You know, I I I, I it's for the first time. I don't think it's dependent upon the quarterback. I really I, I think it's dependent upon how this team of young talent of young and and raw and athletic guys are coached and are and are yeah. prepared for these games. Because I'm looking at the coaching staffs here. That's what I like. You look at you know. The Saints is different, but you look at you know 49ers, Rams, the Bucks now, Lovey Smith, you got Bengals, you got Ravens, you know, and Harbaugh. Like there's Mike Tomlin, you know, it's another year where Matt Matt Rule is going to be put to the test in terms of getting coached or out coached. Well, and and that's that's been the biggest that's that's been the biggest hindrance for us the past two two seasons that we'll go in the game thinking we have better talent. The New York game last year was a, was a was a great example of the Viking game. The Viking game is well. Yeah, we have talent. Talent should be good enough for us to be able to get some wins. We don't trust the coaching staff, and not and, and honestly, the majority of these games that we're playing this year, the same it's the same storyline. I don't know if we're gonna be able to coach on par with some of our opponents. So even again, like Pittsburgh, where I think we should be able to beat Pittsburgh, because I don't think that's a that's a great team up there. I know Mike Thomas is good for these nine wins a season. Same with Pete Carroll. So if it's, if he's got a matchup with Matt Rule, those are the matchups he eats with because he good coaches beat bad coaches the majority of the time. That's how that's how you stick in this league. And what kept us in those games, I think, as you know, and I say this with you know a lot of 
chagrin is that I think, you know, all like where we failed as a head coach, at least Phil snow, we had the talent on defense to run it up. Phil snow might've not always, he was slacking a bit in terms of coaching it and putting it in the right position. And then Joe Brady, he at least had some sort of creativity to out coach on offense. I don't see any creativity coming out of Ben McAdoo. I, I don't. I, I will say this though: the the issue I had with Brady and I, the, the the creativity was the creativity wasn't really wasn't it, it was an issue. In oh no! Some, in some in some spots, but like the lack of NFL concept, I, I I thought that he was right. Like, like he didn't know how to consistently run an NFL offense. Like bro, like you you can't. Oh yeah, he was he was doing something that I just like, all right, bro. You gotta, it's too vanilla, bro. You gotta do something. Switch it. You got you got too much versatility on the field for it not to be a look a, a lot more splash. Like even at least with North Turner, you know, North Turner around a lot of those orbit motions, getting guys moving, getting guys jet sweeps, getting guys like a car like Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, getting the ball able to get the ball into their hands, knowing they weren't the strongest route runners at the time. McAdoo, at, at least I think with this group. I think him being a vet, at least a veteran NFL mind as offensive coordinator, he should be able to get at least get something out of this group. There should, there should be a lot more consistency off- offensively than we've seen the last couple of years, at least. Yeah, you know, with the quarterback situation, it, it doesn't matter because the answer is not on the team right now. That, that's the, at the end of the day. So at the, at the end of the season, you can guarantee on all the lists and everything, our number one need will be quarterback. Once again, you know, we, we, we have our, you know, some hope with bringing in a rookie, which is better than, you know, not um, because we had to add to that position, like we talked about, but seeing how it plays out is, is going to be interesting. It is going to change the team completely um, how they're operating, you know, um, and how Corral plays early on, if he's going to be that gunslinger mentality or if he's going to try to play within the offense as a rookie and be more safe is going to completely change um, a lot of the outcomes of the game. Now, I think Darnold gets the start of week one, and I think he carries it, um, you know, a couple games in, uh, you know, at any point. At any point, everything could be shut down from the quarterback from to the head coach to, to everything could, could just be completely shut down. So there's no guarantees with anything this season. But um, I would put um, a lot of money on Corral starting a handful of games, especially towards the end of the season. Um, and just to see how the pace of play changes from Darnold's, you know, true gunslinging mentality um, and, you know, ability as a runner as well. Um compared to Corral, who, who's who's decent in his own right, but very different different style quarterbacks who um, who is just going to play change how we play offensively and you know defensively. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. So before we go, get some final like you know just record uh, record uh, predictions. So Shanti's Tyler, what do you think? If you got to pick up pick a record for the year, what are you thinking? Five and twelve. Uh, I'll, I'll go five and twelve as well. Five and twelve as well. Yeah. I could see, I could see six and eleven. I could see four, and these numbers are so weird to say now. It's, I'm still not used to that. <laughs> I could see six and eleven. I could see four and thirteen. If the math is right on that, yeah, I guess. Uh it's uh, yeah. And I could you talk about Tyler where he's going to start? He'll be starting by week sixteen. I could, I could almost, and he'll play out week sixteen. I could almost guarantee it. But y'all, before we go, um, because we do you know, talk a lot about the, the Panthers of the North and we have a, you know, a pretty big following and, you know, and connection with, um, with Buffalo. I just wanted to, you know, send out thoughts and prayers and and just talk for a second and pause for a second to talk about what went down in, in Buffalo over the weekend and kind of, you know, sports are, a, are an escape for a lot of us, but it needs to be talked about because this just, I, it's ridiculous that this is something that we have to keep bringing up and it's not even the act of what happened, but the cause of why it happened. It just is so it's just so absolutely enraging to, 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 to continue to see. And uh, so I personally just wanted to, you know, send thoughts out to everyone in Buffalo and just to tell y'all to, just to love each other, just love each other and to call the people you love and talk to the people you love because stuff is scary out here. Yeah, it really one, it's one of those things, bro. Like, well, you know, you hear about that type of stuff and, you know, you, it, 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 it hits close to home because, you know, you, you start looking through the list of people that were, uh, that, that, that were written and it's like, you know, you, it, it ain't, it ain't much keeping it from being one of your family members or, or, or even being you. So it's, and, and obviously the reason, 
being like, the, the reason being the most sickening thing behind it. You know, you see one of those things where you know everybody's got to look. I, I want you know everybody's got to look in the mirror and say like, like we got to hold we got to hold each other more accountable for for, for, for when these things happen. Man. You know, it can't be bypasses just uh, a singular incident or no. This is these these are things that have been harbored in this country for quite some time that we we refuse to acknowledge and refuse to act upon. It's one of those things where it'll continue to happen until we decide to come to the table and say, look, this is a problem. It's been a problem. How do we fix the problem? So until, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I hope, I, I hope I don't, we've had a bunch of wake up calls. Hopefully this is a, hopefully at some point everybody wakes up to see what's actually going on here. Yeah. Until, you know, something's got to give. Something's got to give and something's got to change. And I pray that we get to see, we are, we get to see that one day. I, I pray that we do. But until then, y'all, you know, just like I said, call the, ones y'all, call the ones you love, love each other, and of course, keep pounding.